Hello and welcome to the Weekend Wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and what a very busy back end of the week it was again this week and COVID continues to be a huge part of our lives. One of the major things that I want to talk about today is of course uh, President Biden's climate uh, summit which was just, it's just embarrassing to watch the Australian Prime Minister attend these things with no, no real plan, no real announcement, something about a hydrogen valley. Like, you know, it's just, it's just embarrassing, frankly, as an Australian who believes that we can make real progress on tackling climate change, on reducing pollution, on creating new sustainable ongoing jobs based on these new technologies, based on renewable energy, based on reducing our emissions through carbon sequestration, doing the things that other countries are doing. Joe Biden's talking about a $2 trillion plan uh, to get to net zero, and Scott Morrison's talking about a $200 million plan uh, to build hydrogen plants. Hydrogen Valley, he wants to call it. It just, it just doesn't really compare, does it? So we've seen through that, uh, the summit, that uh, the United States intends to halve its emissions by 2050. Halve its emissions by 2050. Morrison, on the other hand, is saying that we will get somewhere between 26 and 28% of our emissions down by 2030. So it, it really, you know, we're doing half as much. We're doing half as much. Uh, you know, the real kind of irony or the picture or the metaphor, however you want to put it, the thing that summed this thing up, that, that really captured this whole situation was when Morrison did finally speak at the summit. It was very, very late in the piece. Biden had already um, left uh, and the technology didn't work. And, and why, why was Australia, or a great ally of the United States, uh, sort of left at the tail end of the thing? Because we had nothing to say. We had nothing to offer. You know, the United States is halving emissions by 2050. China's targeting zero by 2060. And what's Australia's contribution? Australia's contribution is that we're going to build hydrogen plants. And this great quote, which I think we should be hanging around Morrison's neck every day for the remainder of his prime ministership, because I'm not sure he wants it to apply to anything other than this space, but it should apply to everything everything a government ever does. And he said, thank us not for what we have promised, but what we deliver. So let's look at what he's delivered in this space. Under the Liberals, emissions are rising. Under the Liberals, jobs are declining. Under the Liberals, investment in renewable energy without subsidy, without support, is declining. The status of the jobs in the sector is continually being discovered to be un insecure subcontracted, underpaid. This, if we're judging him not by what he's promised, but by what he has delivered, he has delivered very little. And what he has delivered has been quite bad. You know, the Australian Academy of Science says the Great Barrier Reef is now totally doomed. I attended the Paris Climate Conference. And let me tell you, there was a lot of talk about the two degrees versus the one and a half degrees. And of course, that doesn't seem like a lot. But when you're talking about the temperature of water, half a degree difference is literally the difference between the Great Barrier Reef surviving and the Great Barrier Reef turning into a bleached white wasteland. And that is now inevitable. According to the scientific academies, the Australian Academy of Science, that is now inevitable. So 
Morrison, well done. You've delivered the destruction of the Great Barrier Reef. I'm sure you must be very proud. On a broader note, think of all the other things that, not what he has promised, but think of what he has delivered. When it comes to aged care, he has delivered billions into the pockets of privatised aged care. At the same time, he has delivered our elderly, our elders, into poor service, into sickness, into misery, contempt and death. Think about what he's done in disability, not what he has promised with the NDIS, but what he has tried so hard to deliver. Cuts to the funding, cuts to the National Disability Insurance Agency, staffing caps, changing the way assessments are done so that they are essentially robo-assessed. Think about what he's done when it comes to mining. Not that he's promised to have more jobs, because there aren't, but he has certainly delivered bonuses, record profits, huge dividends to the owners of mines, even in retail. He has, he has delivered for the oligarchs who run our retail sector. Solomon Liu, Jerry Harvey have all taken massive amounts of money out of JobKeeper for themselves. At, at the same time, Morrison has fought tooth and nail on their behalf to stop wage increases, to prevent wage theft becoming a federal law, to prevent the workers being able to get secure, well-paid work. And he has, of course, delivered the lowest wage growth on record and over 2 million Australians into unemployment and underemployment. All doing this at the same time as we have the most expensive first home buyer market in the history of our Commonwealth. Let us judge Scott Morrison not for what he has promised, but for what he has delivered. And let us judge him harshly. Now I'm going to turn to COVID because of course in WA, they're now in the middle of a three-day lockdown. And again, when we think about what Scott Morrison has promised and what he has delivered, we can once again see a huge gap. But in Perth, there are three cases. They're now, so far, they've all been connected. There's a number of new locations today uh, being added to the list that if you have attended, please do self-isolate, go and get tested. This is, you know, quite frankly, uh, a little bit scary for a lot of people. And I know in Australia, we've generally uh, not had it as bad as in other countries, but we should be very mindful of the fact that around the world, COVID is still massively out of control and it doesn't take much for it to go from we think we've got it under control to suddenly hundreds, thousands of people dying. Uh, of course, I'm talking here about India and Brazil um, and this is a huge problem for Australia, obviously a huge problem for Australia. Um, to a degree, we've, we've had an economic benefit from the collapse of Brazil because no, they can't mine their iron ore, but People need iron ore, so they buy ours, right? That's increased the price of iron ore. India is not a country uh, that that we compete against with a lot of in the export market, but is a country that we actually sell things to, uh, and their country is totally collapsing. Um, the humanitarian cost of this is huge. Hundreds of thousands of people are dying. Millions of people now are getting COVID. Almost a million people the other day in a single day were diagnosed. Uh, they're running out of oxygen. They don't have enough beds. Uh, it's a real uh, catastrophe. It's not waiting to happen. It is happening. 
And frankly, we need to continue to take all the necessary precautions to protect Australians and people in this country. And that's why I applaud Mark McGowan's snap decision. It is better to be locked down for three days than to suffer months and months of overloaded hospitals and people dying in the street, as we're seeing in other countries once again. Of course, Peter Dutton, being Peter Dutton, has taken a swipe at Mark McGowan. Uh, and the reality of this situation, folks, is that the Commonwealth government has responsibility for quarantine and has done nothing. It has done nothing. There are 40,000 stranded Aussies overseas. There are hotels being converted into what was supposed to be temporary quarantine arrangements that have been going for over a year now. Over a year. Of course, of course, these illnesses. Of course, COVID is spreading through hotels. Hotels are not quarantine facilities. They are hotels. And anyone who's ever travelled with a group of people to a hotel, whether it's a sporting event or a hen's night or a bucks party or, or some kind of work conference, you know that if one person in the group gets a cold, chances are you're all going to get a cold because you're all staying in the same hotel. You're all sharing those facilities. You're all walking around the same floors and breathing through the same air. That's why they're not good quarantine facilities. That's why they were supposed to be temporary. But once again, let us judge Scott Morrison, as he says, not for what he has promised, but what he has delivered. And he has delivered zero, zero Commonwealth quarantine facilities that have been used in this pandemic outside of one facility in the Northern Territory. So WA, I think quite rightly, feels aggrieved that they're stuck with this. Because at the same time as not building quarantine facilities, the Commonwealth Government had promised to deliver millions and millions of vaccines to Australians so that all of our most vulnerable people would be vaccinated by now. We are halfway through autumn. Winter is coming, and yet very few Australians have been vaccinated. We have had conflicting information about this vaccine versus that vaccine. The Commonwealth Government has dropped the ball. And now Perth, quite rightly in my view, sees itself as having no alternative but to shut down for three days to ensure there is no spread. Had the vaccine been rolled out as promised, had there been a delivery on that promise by Morrison, then perhaps we would not have a lockdown in Perth. Perhaps we would not have the rising sense of concern and anxiety in the rest of the country. But here we are. So when Peter Dutton tries to attack Mark McGowan and the state Labor government in WA over the lockdown, perhaps Peter Dutton could have a good hard look at his own government and have a good hard look at what they have or haven't actually delivered and shut his mouth. I'm sure we'd all appreciate that, Peter. Thank you. Now, I do want to wrap up by talking about Anzac Day, which is today. Of course, it's a solemn day in the Australian calendar. 102,000 Australians have died uh, defending our country over the course of our nation's uh, Commonwealth history. It is, it is a sad day. It is, it is an emotional day. And we should never forget those Australians who laid down their life for the idea and ideals of Australia. Of course, we should also take a moment to commemorate those who came back, those who perhaps were not embraced, those who have struggled to reintegrate themselves into our society, to find peace here with us, those who perhaps have not found work, who have struggled for housing, who have struggled with their health, mental and or physical. And I do want to acknowledge 
that there will be a Royal Commission into veteran suicide. I do think that's an incredibly important step for our country. And I do also want to say that there is nothing glorious about war. While we might want to think of the sacrifices of our men and women as being in some way glorious, we must remember that these men and women who gave their lives did so in the belief that they were defending their country, not for a sense of glory, not to build a half-billion-dollar marble museum for them, but to defend what it means to be Australian, to defend the ideals of Australia, fair day's pay for a fair day's work, a fair opportunity for all, Australia being a country without class, without divide, a country where whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your background, whatever your nationality of your grandparents, you have some opportunity to live the life you want in freedom, in peace and with hope. So frankly, on Anzac Day, I like to reflect on how far we've come as a country, the great sacrifices that the 102,000 Australians who laid down their life for this country have made and what we can do to honour those who are still with us, who have served by continuing to pursue the great Australian ideals and continuing to ensure that they apply to everyone. And not least of all, not least of all, that there are opportunities for those returned servicemen and women to participate in our society. So on this Anzac Day, it seems even more appropriate than ever to sign off with, be kind to yourself and to each other. Bye.